We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. The Lord knows. So we're looking at what does it mean to find Jesus in Moses and the prophets? What does it mean? What is the message of the Bible? Um, and I like when I, when I, like God speaks to me in pictures often. And uh, when I got the word unfolding, I was like, now I'll go and, and do a search and I'll look for a word. And uh, I saw this picture of the map being unfolded. And it was for me such a prophetic picture of all of a sudden the route to heaven is so clear. But it's unfolding it from within of the Old Testament, unfolding it from within Genesis, unfolding it from the writings of Moses. So Moses we read and we think it's the law, the Ten Commandments. We see Moses with the two tables coming down the mountain. But when the, the Word of God, the Bible, speaks about Moses, refers to Moses, it refers to the Torah. It refers to the first five books of the Bible. And I remember teaching on this and uh, not knowing that. And Bernard actually came to me and uh, it was still in Rhenish. And I remember you telling me after the service, but when it speaks about Moses, like you were so excited about it, it actually speaks about the, f the five, first five books. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That even amplifies what I said back then. But now uh, we come to it and we, we're looking at where does Jesus fit in? Maybe that's a better question. Where does Jesus fit in? And I like what um, everyone said. And uh, I don't get people up here so they can say anything about me. But so that you can hear that different people go through this in a different way. Different people operate different people process things differently and uh, the fact that you're back here this morning at least says that you're giving me a chance um, and <laughs> if you're online maybe you're checking us out from a distance and that's also fine but um, we wanted to to just present to you what we see we want to present to you uh, what the, we feel the spirits reveal to us and we want to then see how that goes about and and the best way i can link it to you because herman took my first verse so i need to now talk about something else before i need to get back there um, but what jerusha said was really good in that um, we minister the resurrected christ so when we watch the series like the chosen there's a lot of good stuff in there but that's not the picture of jesus we should have that's not the jesus that lives in you it's the resurrected christ that lives in you so we minister the resurrected christ so I want to then ask, how should we minister? So if, it's, if what we minister is the resurrected Christ, how do we deliver it? How do we deliver? What is the packaging? Or how do we go about expounding and delivering? And again, like always, the answer is Jesus. Amen. So in kids' church, they would have gotten that right. We minister the resurrected Christ like the resurrected Christ. And I think that's the most important thing for us to, to see. The best example of how our ministry should look is, I would say, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at how he did it. But let's look at Jesus after the cross. Let's look at the resurrected Christ. And that's what we look at Luke 24. We see Jesus on the way, way um, to, to Emmaus. And he speaks to two guys, maybe a girl and a guy, we're not sure. We have a name of one. It's Cleopas. And it is another. And, uh, and, and they downtrodden. And they depressed and they, they had this hope and this guy and they thought he's going to set them free from the Romans. And now guess what? Their own religious leaders delivered him unto the Jews and crucified him and he's now been dead three days. And to make it even worse, now there's people of his party that says after three days they don't find his body in the grave. That should have been a little bit of a, a dinner bell <laughs> if they knew the prophecies. If they knew the scriptures, if they knew what to expect, then Jesus says, didn't it say, guys, that the, um, the Messiah would suffer and die and rise again on the third day? That's sort of his opening statement. Like, guys, you're so depressed. Now you're even more worried because the grave is empty. That should have been, wow, get the banners out. Let's make a meal. Let's have some fun because Jesus is alive. But now what he does is, Luke 24, verse 25, then he says unto them, O fools. So we can use some language like that. <laughs> oh fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. What is Moses? Genesis, Exodus, now I need to, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Hey, I got it. 
I sang a little song in my head and you didn't even know it. Genesis Exuadus Leviticus. Now you know it. Okay. So that works, by the way. Just don't do it out loud like I do. So what did he do? He started at the start. The Genesis. That's a good start to play. A, a good place to start. Where do you start? Where do you start a race? You start at the start. So beginning at Moses, beginning at the beginning, beginning at Genesis. What does Genesis 1 1 says? In the beginning. So where do you think Jesus starts when he is beginning to minister? He starts in the beginning. Because God's plan has been Christ before the foundation of the earth. What is the foundation of the earth? We'll look at that another day. The foundation of the earth is not maybe what you think it is. It is the start of the earth. It is the, the foundation, the planning, the structure that God has for it there. But God creates the earth with a plan. He doesn't create, it, create people, duh, 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 and now, oh, God, this is a problem. Now we need to think of a plan, and now we send Jesus. No, from the foundation of the earth, Christ was the plan. Okay? So then, if He was the plan, then it's in Genesis. Beginning at Moses and what? All the prophets. So what we know as Old Testament is what the Bible refers to in Luke 24 as Moses and the prophets. Okay? And now Jesus uses Moses and the prophets to minister. What's He ministering? He's ministering the resurrected Christ, the victory, but he is expounding, that is the key word for us, into them in all the scriptures. So the scriptures then is what? Moses and the prophets. Because when Luke writes this, Luke is not scripture. Acts is not even written. So when he's referring to scripture, he's referring to Moses and the prophets. That just gives you another tool by which to study the word. So he goes to Moses and the prophets, he goes to the scriptures, and he shows them, he expounds what? The things concerning himself. So I'm also a grace guy, man. I go and I say, listen, get into Galatians, get into Romans, get into Ephesians. But you know what? All of that are study notes that is rooted in the foundation of the earth. It's rooted and founded in the beginning. And I'll show you today, I believe, a good example of that. The word expounded there is, in, according to the Strong's definition, it says to explain thoroughly, by implication, to translate. So it's like when someone speaks sign language and someone translates what is being said. So the one you see and the one you hear, both is communication. So in the Old Testament, we see, we see stories, we see things happening. It's, it's, it's basically, Psalm 78 speaks about dark sayings, dark sayings of old. It's parables, okay? This table is so unstable and in my way and big. So he expounds, he explains, he translates to them, basically, the stories of the Old Testament. But he's showing them that it's not about what you think it's about. It's about me. Oh, you thought Genesis was about the start of the earth. Oh, you thought Abraham was about becoming the nation of Israel. Go read Galatians 3. It says that we operate by what? Works, no. By the hearing of faith. Verse 5. Galatians 3 verse 5. The hearing of faith. Not the doing of faith. Not the believing of faith. The hearing of faith. And then verse 6 says, in the same manner, Abraham. So what is hearing faith? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing Jesus. Hearing the gospel. So if faith comes by hearing, and Abraham was a man of faith, and faith comes by hearing the gospel, what did Abraham hear? <laughs> this will break your brain a bit. I realized that I'm going to have to go study Mark 4 about the seed and the condition of the heart. And we're all going to have to look at our hearts. Because God is presenting stuff to us in a way that I've never shared it before. I've never seen it before. And if you're going to be offended, you're going to just close your heart and you're not going to receive. 
But if you, if you can remain with us, if you can stay with us, and you can go like Danielle said, she didn't just take it, she went and studied it out, then maybe we can minister like Christ ministered. And we can see the results that he did. How did we come about some of this? Was we look at things and we believe things and we do things in this manner and we don't see the results we see in the book of Acts. Then we ask ourselves, are we believing what they believed? Are we doing what they did? Because Peter walks up with John um, to the temple at the gate called Beautiful and he says to a guy, a lame beggar, silver and gold I don't have. Like I say, no one even preaches about that verse. No? But what I do have, I give unto you. Get up and walk. Now who here has done that? I'm asking, I'm not putting my hand up. <laughs> So if we haven't done that yet, we need to see, are we hearing the right message? Are we living in the fullness of the power? Are we seeing what we can see? And now we come and we say, okay, but they saw how Jesus ministered after the cross. Peter saw Jesus in the flesh before the cross and that made him what? A coward. Peter lived with the Jesus of the chosen. And he was a coward three times to a little girl, a slave girl. He said, I don't know him. But he saw the resurrected Christ and he was bold as a lion and he says, you killed him. But this is where he, who he is and my God raised him from the dead. And what happened? They shouted, how can we be saved? Just before that it says in Acts, they were cut to the heart. Stephen, he gets to be a deacon in the church. But the deacons had to be full of faith. Full of the Holy Spirit. Why? They're serving. They're serving bread. They're serving... Because it's not about serving. Serving creates connection. And before long you see Stephen and he stands up and he preaches a message from the Old Testament, by the way, Acts 13. He preaches a message. And what happens? They cut to the heart. But he doesn't get the same response that Peter did. He doesn't get like... They don't ask the rock, how can we be saved? They throw the rocks at him. So the response of people shouldn't be an indication of the purity of the message. Because it says in the last days, people will look for, they will have itchy ears and they will look for preachers who preach what they want to hear. Peter and, and Stephen has a very similar message in the book of Acts. 3,000 people get saved in one instance. Stephen gets stoned in the other. So whose message was right? Same message. We preach to awaken hearts. Some people are going to wake up happy, and some people are going to wake up very unhappy. That doesn't change the message. We preach to awaken hearts. We expound, we explain, we translate what? The scriptures. Thayer says to unfold the meaning, the true meaning of what is said to explain, to translate into one's native language. So what is our native language? Church, what is our language? Love. That's good. And God is love. And God is a spirit. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God of love, we worship Him in spirit. So when we translate or unfold or explain the Old Testament into our native language, we are taking natural man's stories, with miracles, yes, but now we're translating them into spiritual realities. Where did you... Peter, are you crazy? No, I'm not. John 16. Jesus says, and he speaks about the Holy Spirit, and he says, it's better if I go away, because if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But if he comes, actually when he comes, because Jesus knew he was going away, when he comes, he will do a few things. And then we have righteousness, judgment, and those things, and he says, because the prince of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit is not judging you. He reminds you that the prince of this world is judged. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And then Jesus is like bursting at the seams. And he says, I have many more things I want to tell you. But you can't bear them now. What do you think Jesus was referring to? 
The answer, I believe, is spiritual things. Because there's many more things I want to tell you now, but I, you cannot bear them now because the Holy Spirit has not yet been cast out, poured out. But if He is, and when He is, He is the Helper, He is the Comforter, but He is the Spirit of Truth. And then the Word goes on and Jesus says, and He will lead you and He will guide you into all truth. So Jesus before the cross is not ministering all truth. He ministers through parables. So already you can see that Matthew, Mark, Luke, maybe John not so much, John is a bit different, is actually better suited with Malachi and Chronicles and because it speaks about the physical manifestation of the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ. So, I'm saying a lot of things, but I need to get the foundation for us ready. So, when we preach, what do we preach? We preach the Bible. But what is our message? Christ is our message. Colossians 1 verse 28 in the Passion Translation. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. John 16, the full understanding of truth. So we cannot minister by ourselves. We need to minister by the Holy Spirit because He's the one that helps you, leads you, and guides you into all truth, which the word truth there is actually reality. Now again, I'm going to refer to the matrix. Because the matrix, people think things are the way they are, and then they awaken to the true reality of what's really going on. Now the guy who wrote the matrix read the Bible, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not saying the matrix is the Bible. I'm just saying it's a parable of the Bible. Because now you wake up and you realize you've got actually, you can do more things than you think you could do. The Holy Spirit helps you, leads you, and guides you through that. Colossians 1 verse 25 from the voice says, I am a servant appointed by God to preach the word of God until it is known to you all over. What I'm talking about is nothing less than the mystery of the ages. That's important. What was hidden for ages... And generations and generations is now being revealed to His holy ones. He decided to make known to them His blessing to the nations. The glorious riches of this mystery is the indwelling of the anointed one in you. The very hope of glory. What a translation of that verse or verses. The mystery is the promise. And you think about it, what is a covenant? We think a covenant is a contract. But if you get married, what do you do? You make a promise. You promise the other person that I will love you in sickness and in health until death do us part. That's a promise. There's a prenup if you, if you need that, but that's the contract. That's not the promise. The promise is what the covenant is. So when God makes a covenant, He is not making a contract. He's not signing a deal. He's not making an agreement with you. He is making a promise. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because we are the bride of Christ. So he made a promise. And he makes a promise. And what is the promise? He made the promise to Abraham. Galatians 3.14 So that the promise of Abraham might be fulfilled. Jesus hangs on the, hangs on the cross so that the promise of Abraham can be fulfilled. What is the promise then? It's the covenant. What is the covenant? It is that God wants to live in a man. That God is going to pour out His Spirit. If you don't believe me, make a note there. See Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Okay. Colossians says that we have a mystery that has been revealed. The true reality. But you know what? We need to get our heads around this. The mystery is not mysterious. The mystery is not mysterious, but the mystery has to be revealed, it has to be translated, it has to be explained, and it has to be unfolded. Because now people go off into spooky land and say, hey, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Yes, because he speaks about spiritual realities. In the Old Testament, they couldn't understand it because they didn't have the spirit of truth. But now we have the Spirit who will what? Lead you and guide you into all truth, John 16. So then His ways is not higher. It is higher. It's spiritual. 
it's not for no one to understand. It's not spooky, it's not unknown, because then the Holy Spirit is limited. Okay, I'm making a good point there, I think. <laughs> I, I want to just share about God's love and how He loves us, and, but this is the root of why He loves us. This expounds, explains how much He loves us. This shows us that He is the same forever. Now, if we think God is angry in the old and happy in the new, then we need to take some verses out of our Bibles because there's a verse that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God cannot be happy the one day and sad the next day and angry tomorrow and then happy because Jesus hung on the cross. No. Christ is our message. You know what I realized this week? I've always preached Christ for the last, since when did I start preaching? 2013. I started preaching in a grace life. I've preached Christ, but I had to go cherry pick Jesus in the Bible and look for Ephesians and go for Romans and, and teach through Galatians and cherry pick Him. But now I've realized Christ is not just our message as a church. Christ is the message of the Word of God. And all of a sudden it sounds like there's substance to it. I mean, I, for me to prepare a message now, it's, it's serious business. Because I just don't go on Google and say comforter and get five scriptures and make a message. Because it's not rightly dividing, accurately handing. It's not respecting the word and treating it the way it should be. And why do I come up with all those words? Because 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 in the King James says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So rightly dividing isn't just old and new. There's more to it. Because already we see Jesus speaks about Moses and the prophets in Luke 24. So there's another division there, Moses and the prophets. Then we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we can even put Acts in there, because Acts is an eyewitness account. In Luke 1, it says, Oh dear Theopolis, I'm writing to you basically as a journalist, and I'm giving you an eyewitness account of the things that have happened these last days. Then he opens the book of Acts, same writer, and he says, In the same manner, I write to you again. So when we see things in Acts, we just we read what they saw. And I'm not dismissing the book of Acts. I'm just saying let's rightly divide the word of truth. Because when we rightly divide it, we'll rightly apply it. Okay, that's good as well. If the Holy Spirit makes it rhyme, you better take note. <laughs> if we rightly divide it, we'll rightly apply it. So we cannot just go for doctrine in the book of Acts because it's an eyewitness account. Now we see as flames of fire, but who's received the Holy Spirit in the flame of fire? I want to meet you. I want to hear your story. <laughs> so did you not now receive him? Because the book of Acts says it's as flames of fire. No, they had a context. They had an understanding. They had a way of how they explained things. They had a manner of speaking if you say, I could not sleep last night, I slept nothing last night. Did you really sleep nothing last night? Well, maybe, but maybe you just slept like two hours like Lucas. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if that's a word of knowledge, but uh, <laughs> he's got a newborn in the house, so it's, uh, it's a bit unfair. So we need to understand it in that way, but how do we now divide? Listen to the Amplified Classic. This, this blessed me so much. It says, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Okay, so who preaches? Well, anyone can preach. But if you preach, preach correctly analyzing the word, accurately dividing the word, rightly handling the word, and then skillfully teaching the word, the word of truth. So it all becomes part of what is parables, what is prophecy, what is Moses, what is foreseen, what is seen, and then the epistles gives us the explanation of what was seen, what was prophesied, which was mostly of that also in the book of Moses. I'm going to show you an example now, which is going to help you. You guys ready for some like solids this morning, eh? <laughs> you thought you're going to come here, sing a few songs, and 
Woo, Jesus loves me, go home. <laughs> we don't preach that. We preach to awaken hearts. That's our, that's our mandate. We preach to awaken hearts. And we see that in the book of Acts. So I want to show you how I believe we are growing in correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the Word of God. That feels like a responsibility, doesn't it? That feels serious, but if I equip you to do that, you don't need the anointing to preach. Because Paul writes to Timothy and he says, teach those who are able to teach others also. So a lot of what I'm presenting to you is not something that I came up with, it's some things that I were taught. And then when it sprouts in my heart, when it becomes my truth, my reality, it can't be my truth, there's only one truth. When it becomes a truth in my heart, let's say it like that, then I'm ready to present that to you. And this is what I'm doing this morning. So I want to look at the spiritual rock. That's actually the title of the message this morning. And I've given you some, some tools now, how we're going to go about it. The spiritual rock. So in John 7, verse 37, Jesus speaks and he says, At the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, what is the scripture? Moses and the prophets. Okay? See, now you can rightly divide, correctly handle, analyze, and now skillfully teach. He that believes in me, as the scripture has said. So he's picking up something in the Old Testament. He's picking up a torch of prophecy and he's shining it on himself. And he knows exactly what he's doing because the Pharisees do too and they want to kill him after this. Because they knew the prophecies and they knew the Torah. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what is Jesus doing? He's picking up from the scriptures. He's pointing it on himself, but he's actually prophesying something that's going to happen after his death. Okay, we can't just read the Bible now. We do, I just showed you in, in Timothy, those days are over for you. Because it would say study to show yourself. Not just read. We need to study if we want to get to this. Now, what is he picking up? He's picking up in the Scriptures. And he's picking up a few prophecies. Let's start with that. So the Scriptures is the prophecies. But it is also the writings of Moses. So in Isaiah 44 verse 3... It says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. What a prophecy. Jesus stands up at the feast and he says, Whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. But he's speaking of the spirit. That is in brackets, by the way. That's not the words. Jesus didn't say, I'm speaking of the spirit. John added that for us. Why? Because he knew Isaiah 44. You see, John understood. That's why I say John is a little bit different. John has a better revelation, I believe. It's not just an eyewitness account because he speaks about Genesis. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and nothing was made without Him that was made. Okay, so John is such a special, special book. But rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Jesus speaks up a prophecy and now John understood it and he says, Because I will pour out my spirit upon your seed. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. What's the words Jesus used? Anyone who thirsts, come to me. Come to the waters and you have no money. Come, buy and eat. You have, yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah 58 and verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You will be like a watered garden. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9 actually Paul picks up on that. And he says, you are his field. The word there, field, is a cultivated garden. Better, better translated in the Greek. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3. And he's actually picking up 
stories, words, methodologies, ideas, if you will, from Isaiah. But Jesus does exactly the same. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. I think the King James says house. The house, the temple of God. What comes out of that? Water. Now who is the temple of God today? I am. And you can say I am if you're part of it. <laughs> Jesus says, out of your bellies out of your hearts out of your innermost being will do what flow rivers of living waters where does he come up with these ideas jesus said something very key he said i only do what i see my father do and i only hear or i only say what i hear my father say so jesus doesn't introduce anything new because god is the same yesterday today and forever so when jesus says come to me all who are thirsty he's picking up from the prophets he's picking up he knows these verses because when he's 13 years old he expounds to them the scriptures he teaches in the temple in jerusalem his, his parents look for him for how long three days was that by chance i don't know how these things work okay <laughs> might have been might have not but ezekiel 47 is ezekiel has a picture what is the picture that waters is going to flow out of the house of god it's a prophecy now we are the house of God and now Jesus says water flows out of you because you have the Spirit. So the Spirit is typified as, what's the picture of the Spirit in the Bible? Water. The Spirit will be poured out. We think flames. No, poured out. Water. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Why? Because when you have the Spirit, the water is going to not just be there, it's going to flow out of you. Revelation 22. I said we're looking at prophecies. Revelation is prophetic. Revelation 22, the last book of the Bible. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from where? The throne of God and from the Lamb. I don't know who else has got goosebumps yet. I do. That's why I'm wearing a long shirt. <laughs> what are we doing this morning? What are we doing? We are rightly dividing... We're accurately analyzing. We are using and skillfully teaching the Word of God. What I'm showing you is we cannot pick up one or two verses and make something of it in the Scriptures. I'm showing you that what God wants to share, God has always wanted to say. It wasn't parable. It wasn't dark sayings. It wasn't hidden. It was a mystery. But now the mystery, the new news is not new news. It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. All of a sudden, many more Scriptures make sense. It's just revealed. So what was hidden in the old is now revealed in the new. Jesus was prophesied and now he is birthed. Okay. Now Revelation 22, we get a similar picture John gets on the Isle of Patmos that Ezekiel got in Ezekiel 47. Waters flowing from the throne of God, from the temple, from the house of God. Jesus came to fulfill what? What did Jesus come to fulfill? It's not a trick question. You guys know the answer. The scriptures, okay, which is the law and the prophets. So in my mind, for years, God, Jesus came to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Thank you, Jesus. But it's right there in Matthew 5. Matthew 5 verse 17 says in the ESV, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, the law and the prophets. The Old Testament. Now what we've done is, like Daniel said, we've just, forget about that, and maybe here and there we see a revelation of Jesus in Exodus or somewhere, and then we love to share those revelations. Why? Because it awakens the heart. It awakens the heart. That's what Jesus did. Luke 24, back there. Verse 25, where we started. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded in them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. Think about that teaching. Think about walking with Jesus there. And he says, oh, 
You thought the Red Sea was about the Red Sea. You thought the cloud was about the cloud. You thought this was about that. But I don't want to go in that this morning. We're going to do that in a bit. But we looked at the prophets now. We're looking at the spiritual rock. We look at the prophets of this water flowing from somewhere. Now, let's look at the writings of Moses. So Exodus 17 verse 3. But the people were very thirsty. So the prophets now speak about thirsty people. The people were very thirsty. So they continued complaining to Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Did you bring us out here so that we and our children and cattle will all die without water? The ERV. So Moses cried to the Lord, what can I do with these people? They are really ready to kill me. The Lord said to Moses, go before Israel. Take some of the leaders, the elders of the people with you. Carry your walking stick with you. This is the stick to use when you hit the Nile River. Look at verse 6. Is it on here? Behold. Look at the rock. No. I will stand before you there. When you ask... Well, I ask you this morning, why did Moses not enter the promised land? If you know your Bible, you say because he hit the rock a second time when he was supposed to speak to it. That's true. But is it maybe because he missed what God was trying to communicate? Now we're going back into parable mode. Okay? So God says the people are thirsty. Moses says, God, the people are thirsty. And they want to kill me. Okay, so God do something about it. God says, take the stick, go to Horeb, and there is a rock, and on the rock I will stand there. This is amazing. So God is standing on a rock. Moses comes with a stick, a piece of wood. And what does he do? He hits the stick, the, the, takes the stick, and he hits the rock where God is standing. And next moment... Water flows. You don't get it yet. <laughs> Jesus stands up on the last day of the feast saying, Come all to me who are thirsty, because I will give you water. But this he spake of the Spirit, because the Spirit was not yet cast out. Galatians 3 and verse 13 says, Cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. So we are no longer cursed, because Jesus hung on the tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might be poured out, which is the Holy Spirit. Back in Exodus. Is it Exodus? It's Exodus. God is on a rock. Moses brings a stick, picture of the cross. Hits the rock, punishment on the cross, on the rock. Next moment, what happens? Water pours out of the rock. That's Exodus 17. The gospel is preached. In parable form. Jesus comes in John and he prophesies, but he picks up on these stories which they understand because they're the sons of Abraham, they think, but he shows them there's only one, which is the seed, which is what Galatians is all about. So Moses goes out a second time. They're thirsty again. By this time, Moses would have known, should have known, but Moses missed the gospel. So he goes out and he hits the rock a second time. But he says something very key, and I want to show you that. I mean, I've got many more here, but I see we're going to have to speed up a bit. Um, then the people can drink. Moses did these things, the Israel elders saw it. Then we jump to Numbers. So we're still in the writings of Moses. So Jesus, when he taught on the road to Emmaus, he taught from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers 20, verse, 20, verse 2. There was not enough water for the people at that place, so the people met together and complained against Moses. Same old story. The people argued with Moses and said, Why should we have died in front of the Lord like our brothers did? Why did you bring the Lord's people into this desert? Do you want us and our animals to die here? Why did you bring us from Egypt? Why did you bring us in this bad place? There is no grain, there is no figs, grapes or pomegranates, and there is no water. Okay, so Moses and Aaron left the crowd of people and went to the entrance of the meeting tent, the house of God, where the water is supposed to flow from. They bowed down the ground and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, get that special stick. Take your brother Aaron. God says now that special stick, get that stick. Moses, wake up. We've done this before. Take that stick and the crowd and go to that rock. What rock? 
that rock. It's a specific rock. Moses, we've done this before. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Then water will flow from the rock and you can give the people and the water the animals to drink. Okay. The walking stick was in the holy tent in the front of the Lord. Moses took the walking stick and the Lord said, Moses and Aaron told the people to meet together in front of the rock. Then Moses said, you people are always complaining. Now listen to me. I will cause. You rebels. <laughs> Must we. This is the key word. That's religion. Relationship with God is He flows. The Spirit flows. Religion is we will bring. We will do. We will work. We will punish. We will fast. We will give. We will keep the law. This is where He missed it. This is why He didn't enter the promise. It's not a punishment. You don't enter the promise through your works. You enter it through His works. Hebrews 4 speaks, speaks about it. If you want to go read that. We will bring water out of this rock. It's not about the hitting. It's about misunderstanding. Not believing the gospel. How many people hear the gospel and say, I will. I will do this for God. I will serve God. Now this is echoed in the prophets. This picture of the rock. We looked at it. Isaiah 26 and verse 4. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself Lean on Him. Hope confidently in Him, not in yourself. Forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. Isaiah 44 and verse 8. Do not fear, not be shaken. Haven't I foretold it, announcing it to you ahead of time? You are my witnesses, so tell me, is there any other God besides me? There is no other rock of shelter. No, not one. So will you agree with me this morning that the rock concept is found throughout Scripture? So I think there's doctrine in there, okay? I'm pretty confident. <laughs> will, can we go a step further and say that water flowing from a rock seems to be a godly idea, okay? Can we say that the gospel is hidden in Exodus 17? Because God stands on a rock and Moses comes with a stick and he hits the stick on the rock and the water flows, okay? Now, what does all this mean? Peter, I didn't come for Bible study. I came to church. I want to be ministered to. Well, if you're not awake by now, then I've got good news for you. I printed out all my notes. Okay. <laughs> so you can get them at the resource table and you can go study it out. I don't want to give it to you before because then you would not look at me and you would just look at the page and I wouldn't know if you're listening. But it's all in here, and you can go study it out with the different translations and, and all of it. Someone asked me for this this week, and I was like, well, that's maybe a good idea. Okay, what does this all mean? So where do we go is a good question to find out what it all means. So we see in Exodus, in the writings of Moses, we see the rock, we see the gospel in Exodus 17. We see in Numbers that Moses missed it. Now we see in the, the prophets, how all the prophets pick up on this thing. God is a rock, the water flows, God is going to... Now Jesus shows up in the Gospels in John 7, and Jesus brings all of this sort of together, and He still prophesies about the Holy Spirit's pouring out. So now what we're doing is we're rightly dividing the Word of Truth. We're accurately handling it, and we're skillfully teaching. So if you get this, then you can teach this till days come, and you can teach Jews. Because they're not going to go with you to Galatians and Ephesians and Romans, but they'll happily open the Torah. And that is exactly what Jesus did. Showed them in their writings the things concerning Himself. And what was the response? Awakened hearts. Cut to the heart. Didn't our hearts burn within us when we saw Him in the face to face? No. When He opened up the Scriptures to us. The highlight of their day was seeing Moses, not seeing Moses, but seeing Jesus in Moses. That was the highlight of their day. That's what they told their grandkids about. But let's bring it together. Let's land this Boeing. 1 Corinthians 10 in verse 1. And I do not wish you to be ignorant. Hey, what a nice thing for your pastor to say. I'm reading from Young's Literal. Brethren, that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. What is he talking about? Exodus. All were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
And all to Moses were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Was Moses baptizing people like John did? No. Just saying. And all the same spiritual food did eat. Now Young's literal is like Yoda. It just puts it in a different way, but it makes sense sometimes. <laughs> all the same spiritual food did eat. And all the same spiritual drink did drink. What were they drinking? Water from the rock. Moses hit the rock and water flowed out. But now Paul says, guys, this was not normal water. This was spiritual water. Yeah, because God caused it to flow out of a rock. No. No, don't stand. We need to translate from sign language visible to spiritual. So it was water provided by God through the rock, but they were drinking of a spiritual rock following them. And the rock was the Christ. And all drank the same spiritual drink. But they were drinking water. Were they? Or is it a dark saying? Is it the parable? Is it a shadow? And we live in the reality. For they drank of what? The spiritual rock that followed them. I want to go study that out. <laughs> I'm not teaching on that this morning. Just put an asterisk there. I didn't say anything. But who was following them? The rock? Who was the rock? Pretty accurate translation, this. That rock was the Christ. Hebrews 11, 25 and 26 says, Moses did not count the reproach of Christ. Greater treasures than the riches and the sinful season in Egypt. Did not our hearts burn within us when He opened up the Scriptures? What did we do now? We went from Exodus to Revelation. We went through Numbers and Exodus. We went to Revelation. We went to John. And now we're in Corinthians. We went to Ezekiel in between, I think. And we end off in Corinthians. We preach Christ, the message of the Bible. Rightly dividing, accurately handling, correctly analyzing, skillfully teaching the Word of Truth. In the Word of Truth. Finding Christ. Not just in the Gospels, but in the Scriptures. The voice translation says of Luke 24, 32, says, Amazing. <laughs> Weren't our hearts on fire within us while He was talking to us on the road? Didn't you feel it all coming clear as He explained the meaning of the Hebrew Scriptures? Isaiah 44 and verse 3 says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. The spirit on the seed of Abraham, that is Christ. The blessing on the offspring, that is us. The blessing is the spirit which was the promise, which is the covenant of grace. What did they do to receive? believe that is grace by faith Abraham was counted righteous you guys are right <laughs> awakened I'm gonna ask this I my hand is up who trusts the Bible a little bit more it's sort of solidified, isn't it? It's like, it's not just loose ends and we're trying to sort of skip over verses and maybe cut off some little kharankis because we can't explain them. Now, all of a sudden, the word speaks about condensed. It means to tightly knit together. And that's what I felt this week. God said, 
I'm tightly knit. Not, not, he's not doing it. It's always been like that. But we are seeing how the word is condensed, how the word is tightly knit together. Now we can go to Exodus and we're not fearful, but we go look for Christ. We go to Genesis and we don't go for science, we go for Christ. We go to Revelation and we don't go for dragons, we go for Christ. Amen? Because Revelation 1 says this is the revelation of Christ. And everyone gets stuck up on the monster and the dragon and the sea monster and the four-legged creatures. And it's about Christ. The message we preach is Jesus. And what is the result? Awakened hearts. Awakened, some people wake up angry. <laughs> and that's okay. Some people wake up happy. And that's more than okay. All right? I don't know what side of the bed you got up or you're going to get up now. But um, I really just want to present to you what I've been taught and what I see. And I hope that it will awaken your heart and you will live with greater fruitfulness and greater faith, greater understanding. And uh, a greater knowledge of the truth. That's what Paul prays throughout. That you will, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That you will know more. That you will know Him more. That you will understand. Not that you will do more, become more. No, that you will realize what we have. And that we will see what has God's plan forever been. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.